HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Heritage Foods, an online and wholesale distributor of heritage breed meat and poultry. Learn more at heritagefoods.com. I'm HRN's Executive Director, Katie Mosman-Wadler, with a preview of this week's episode of Meat and 3, our weekly food news roundup. Last month, Hurricane Florence walloped parts of North Carolina. According to the Weather Channel, it was the wettest tropical storm to ever hit the Tar Heel State. So how did the restaurant industry respond? Some helped FEMA weather the storm, while others got to work feeding people on the ground. We just walked in and said, we know how to cook, what can we do? They said, I need you guys to just cook 150 pork loins, and we were just like, uh, okay. (laughs) Now the attention needs to be on Florence's long-term effect on North Carolina's farming community. The general mood of farmers is one of certainly resilience and almost feels like it's the normal course of business to just get hit by a gigantic hurricane and need to just keep on going. So tune in to this week's Meet and 3 on Heritage Radio Network, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to HR and Happy Hour. It's five o'clock somewhere, and somewhere is Bushwick. I'm Kat Johnson, the Communications Director at Heritage Radio Network, and seated to my right is, as always, Katie Mosman-Wadler, our Executive Director. Hey, Kat. Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday. It's as always, but I feel like I've been away so much lately, and I miss Shaq's camp, so I'm Aww. really, really glad to be like back in the saddle uh, until next week when I'm gone again. But I'm going to make the most of today's episode of Happy <laughs> Hour. Uh, we've got a great team here in the studio. We have Hannah Forden to my right. Happy Thursday. We missed you at Shaq's camp. I missed you, we too. We sang for you. Oh, I know. At least I got to hear the singing. That's the good thing about being a radio station. Everything is recorded. <laughs> Da-na-na. There's a record of everything. <laughs> in the booth, we've got Matt Patterson, engineering for us, making it sound great. What Matt. And Noah Mosban, I believe, is still in there. Is he uh, there? He briefly oh. left, but he'll be back. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, oh, I see him. I see him through the window. He's waiting. Uh, okay. Uh, and we have some really special guests today that Kat's going to introduce. Yes, we have Isaac and Amanda Toops. They opened Toops Meadery in 2012 to share their deeply rooted Louisiana family traditions with the food-loving people of New Orleans. Um, Isaac is a former Top Chef contestant who's gotten recognition from the James Beard Foundation, and he's now written a book that is called Chasing the Gator. It's full of recipes informed by his extensive knowledge and experience as a Cajun cook. 
and it comes out this month. Welcome to you, Isaac and Amanda. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for, for the, having uh, us. Yeah. Fashionably late as always. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. Heavy on the fashionably. Heavy on the fashionably. Extremely fashionable, <laughs> as always. Um, so we are going to do just a couple of quick announcements and headlines, and then we're going to jump <clears> right <throat> into our interview. Hannah, you want to kick us off? I would love to. So this week, Sam Ben Ruby, host of The Grape Nation, is going to be joining Norwalk Now for Crush, which is a five-day celebration of beer, wine, and spirits. It's October 16th through 20th in Norwalk, Connecticut. Also known as Right Now. <laughs> AKA This Very Moment. Um, so Sam is going to be um, there for an event on October 19th. For Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow. <laughs> is that really tomorrow? It is. Holy crap. Sound like me. What's the date? What's the I have What's no idea year? what the date is ever. Okay. For oh a very God. special, it's a global wine dinner at Washington Prime. So check it out. Uh, I believe there are still tickets available and you can find information at Norwalk ne- norwalknow.org slash events slash crush. Crush. Um, Another event coming up is our event called Co-Ferment, Blending Perceptions of Cider, Wine, and Beer. It's going to be a tasting and panel discussion led by our own Jordan Warner Berry and Daniel Pucci. They're going to focus on the ways that the seemingly different beverages overlap through their production methods, farming, flavor, culture, and the language that we use to talk about each of them. We're going to have an amazing panel, uh, Food by Samisa. If you know Eli Sussman of the line, he makes really great food and lots of delicious wine, beer, and cider. Um, we're going to have also Say Coffee there, Henry's Wine and Spirit, um, a few other friends. So please join us on November 5th at 100 Bogart in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Check out our Eventbrite or our Facebook for information and to buy tickets. And if you remember uh, what it was like at the end of our cider event last year, we promise you will have a really good time. It was so fun. I don't even remember. I know. <laughs> we Our office is already filling up with cases that say this box contains alcohol. So get Yay. ready. Um, <laughs> we also are going to be at a, a relatively new food festival, brand new for us, uh, Virginians and fans of Virginia. Um on November 1st through the 4th, November 1st through the 4th of November, uh, we're really excited to be taking part in Fire, Flower, and Fork. Um, It's a gathering for the food curious, celebrating the best that the Richmond, Virginia region has to offer. We'll be there um, doing live interviews, as always, with some of the most exciting people in the food world. For more information, go to fireflowerandfork.com and hit us up if you're going to be there. We're going to be... at the event called Food You, doing a live broadcast, and you're welcome to sit in and uh, listen in on some of our interviews. And if you can't be there in person, check out our live stream, and you can listen from there. Um, Matt, could you please cue our news music? Headlines! Headlines time. We're going to talk about some of the top happenings on HRN shows this week. We're going to go through really, really fast. Um, if you have ever pondered the virtues of eating goat on the Farm Report and on the main course OG this week, uh, you can learn everything you ever wanted to know about eating goat and humans' relationships with goats and more. Uh, Lisa Held sat down with James Wetlor, who's the founder of Cabrito and author of the book Goat Cooking and Eating. They discussed his model of using goats from the dairy industry for meat to cut down on food waste and why he thinks getting more people to eat goat would be good for the food system. And uh, we practiced what we preached and ate a bunch of goat for lunch today. So uh, big thanks to Heritage Foods for having us over for that tasting. So good. Goat's delicious. Delicious. It was awesome. We had goat cheese and goat meat. Yeah, that was kind of like a... Double goat. It's like... (laughs) devilishly good goat time mm-hmm. um, on this week's episode of Japan Eats uh, takes a look at something many of us are all too familiar with cocktails 
While you may consider yourself somewhat of a connoisseur, you might not know about the exciting world of Japanese cocktail culture. On our show this week, Akiko Katayama sits down with Masaharu Urushido. He's the head bartender and self-proclaimed director of Deliciousness at Katana Kitten, a new Japanese-inspired bar in the West Village. Katana Kitten's manager, I love that name, by the way, Katana Kitten's manager, James Toon, also appeared on the show with Greg Bohm. Bohm runs Cocktail Kingdom, a company that sells rare cocktail books and barware to the cocktail community. And on Andrew Talks to Chefs, uh, Andrew Friedman talked with Chandra Ram, uh, the editor of Plate Magazine. In this episode, Ram shares her journey from her home state of Kentucky to the Culinary Institute of America here in New York, to life working as a cook and consulting chef to her longstanding role as the editor of Plate. So check that out. And finally, new episode of Meet and 3 this week, uh, coming out tomorrow, as always, on Friday. Our theme this week is food waste, and we're looking at some of the major struggles facing farmers, producers, and consumers, and talking about some really cool solutions to the food waste problem. Um, also, many of you have heard the news this week of Pilot Works shutting down, uh, down the street from us in Brooklyn. Uh, a lot of small food producers, entrepreneurs have been displaced from their production facility with no warning, so we'll be giving a quick update on that with much more coverage to follow so keep an ear to uh your podcast listening device tomorrow afternoon to check that out on meet and three what's your podcast listening device um sometimes my phone and often my computer to my wireless headphones not your ham radio uh no but my grandma was super into that huh, cool i'm a yeah. truck podcaster oh truck podcast. truck truck podcast yeah what's your you, you'd listen on your phone yeah yeah totally yeah only well yeah, that's true. Only my phone. But you I can listen, listen on your Alexa now. Yeah, it's so crazy. Yeah, you just say play Meet and 3 on iHeartRadio or whatever your preferred uh, Alexa-connected podcast player is. Love it. Cool. Well, those are our headlines. That's just the taste of the 35 shows we have here every single week. Um, and now we're going to turn back to our guest, Isaac and Amanda Toops. Um, so let's, let's start with the book. This is the big news. Tell us all about the book. What's the inspiration and when, what can people expect to find within the pages? Oh, Lord, that's a lot of questions. <laughs> uh, and I don't know if we have time for all that, but uh, let's start with uh, what I wanted to try to tell. I, I never wanted just a list of recipes. I thought that was boring. We never wanted to do that. What I want to do was uh, apparently people were interested in how I came with my mentality. Um, born and raised, born and raised Cajun uh, from the Swamp Territory, raised by parents that were both uh, coastal Cajun, uh, that's uh, my father, and prairie Cajun, that's my mother. A lot of people don't know about the dichotomy of Cajun uh, cuisine. Um, but how did, I, how did I get to opening the meadery and opening up Toop South? So what does a Cajun boy do? What, what is, you know, born, raised Cajun. I worked under Emerald Agassi for fine dining for 10 years, a decade of my life. And then you go to open up your own restaurant in New Orleans where you can get almost anything in the world and you've been trained classically in all these techniques. What do you do with that? You do what Chasing the Gator is. So this is kind of how I came up and how I came about. And you know, I'll eat, there's no gator recipes in there, by the way. That's like like big disclaimer. If, if you can't get any gator, don't worry. There's no gator recipes. Chasing the Gator is an allegory of I'm, I'm always chasing flavors. I'm always looking for what's new. I mean, j just for lunch today and then dinner last night, we're going, what do you have around here that I can't get in New Orleans? I want to eat that. I want to eat something new all the time. I don't eat leftovers to my wife's chagrin. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> what, what was new? What did you eat? 
while you uh, last city. night we had some new wavo indian uh, food that was very much in the style of uh almost american comfort food mm. so we we had uh we had dishes that's like ah this is this is like seared shrimp but with black pepper that had that like almost dorito flavoring to it and like wow what the hell is this <laughs> and we, we we i i just loved it i loved how it was like this is comfort food it's indian food it's americana it's all the stuff blended in and we do stuff similar to uh to chasing the gator and at our restaurants we don't take ourselves very seriously at all we take our food very seriously um you focus um on kind of one of the building blocks of you know cajun food in the book rue um, and you know, you're just talking about the techniques and having that foundation. Why did you decide to kind of give that specific type of that dish, like not, not dish, but that building block of flavor? Why did you give that so much, uh, real estate in the book? I think Rue is very mystifying, uh, uh, to people. You, you talk about Rue and if they're not used to eating it or making it, they, they think you're, you're Mickey with the, with the pointy hat making magic. <laughs> or or something that they don't know about or can't do. And I try to dispel that. I say, say Rue is not something that's complicated. Rue is not something that's mysterious or that, you know, o- only the black magicians of Cajun cuisine can, can make. <laughs> no, uh, it's very simple. It's, uh, Cajun food is not hard. It's particular. All food, all, all of my culinary training, nothing's ever going, oh, man, that's really tough. Peeling a grape is tough. Making Rue is not. Um, so we just wanted to demystify that. And we've shot videos on gumbo, and we've, we've done, you know, obviously, this cookbook on Cajun food. And if you read the book, you realize there's nothing in there. It might take some time and a lot of garlic and a good bit of bourbon. Cheers. <laughs> here, but here. there's nothing you can't do, nothing that uh, the, the home cook or the professional cook can't make. And that's what I love about, especially Gumbo 101, say, for instance. If you can get sausage and you can get chicken thighs, congratulations, you can make gumbo. And that's what Cajun food is. It's very approachable. But to other people who have never had it, it's mysterious. Why do you think it is mysterious? Like, what, uh, what about it seems to be intimidating or uh, misunderstood? I don't know. I'm from Cajun country. I've been eating this stuff my entire <laughs> life. It's not mysterious at oh, all. I not to me. It, no, it's, it's definitely, I think it's mysterious to some people because, like Isaac said, the food is not complicated, but it's very technique-driven. It's extremely technique driven. And that's the same with Rue. Like he was talking about Rue. Well, Rue, as somebody who is not Cajun by birth, my first Rue was terrifying. And so it's not that it's hard, it's two ingredients. It's scary because it's technique driven. So um, I I think that you see a lot of that in in Chasing the Gator. That um, there's a dish in there that I I double retested after we at Professional uh, Cookbook Tester did it, which is the the crawfish bisque. That sounds real simple. It's a soup. It took me start to finish about nine hours. I peeled the crawfish. I made crawfish stock for the first time. I made my first roux. I stuffed crawfish heads. I made crawfish bisque and mousseline that went into the, the crawfish heads. That's real simple for Isaac or somebody like that. It's heavy on the technique. It wasn't hard ingredients. It wasn't hard to understand how to eat it. And it looked just like a soup with some crawfish heads floating in it, but it was nine hours. So, and, it, and it came out good, and I'm not just saying that because you're in striking distance. <laughs> <laughs> it was my, it, and yeah, it was my first roux. My, it, and some people were like, you just made your first roux, you and Isaac have been together 20 years. I'm like, 
why the hell would I be making roux? <laughs> yeah, right. good point. Good point. My mama made roux when I was at the house, and then I pretty much moved in with Isaac from there. It, it, your it your was my room hook. needs were covered. Yeah. <laughs> It's my only way to get girls. That are, you can't tell on radio, but I'm not really that good looking. Okay. Classic, still looking for girls? Classically. <laughs> <laughs> Amanda, do you have a favorite recipe from the book for, for you to make yourself? Um, I think that the one that I actually use at the house um, for me and the girls is drunken shrimp. Mm. Um, it's one of the, my kids love shrimp and, and we, we go on and on and, and we even talked about last night, we did a James uh, Beard Foundation dinner last night where we soft launched the book and we brought all of our seafood from home because anywhere we've traveled in the world, we've never found shrimp that is better that comes out from the Louisiana Gulf Coast. It's not even as good in Alabama. It's the Louisiana hey Gulf Coast. Hey now. Hey now. <laughs> we can fight now. later. Um, uh, but but it's not. Sorry. You're right. You know, you're right. It's it's just not. There's something about the Louisiana Gulf shrimp that is so sweet. It's like sweet that um, my kids love to eat shrimp. And so it's a really easy dish for me. Somebody who is, I can cook. I can cook for kids and cook for me. Uh, you know, I, I don't cook for Isaac a whole lot. Um, and so that one, I think, is it really is something that's usable for as a family. So that's the one I probably cook the most. She also likes the root peas a whole lot. I like root peas when I'm sad. It's my sad mm. food. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so the title of the book refers to a new Cajun cooking. Um, what What is new Cajun cooking? A chase the Gator also refers to drugs, but, you know, we, we leave that out. <laughs> it's not. We'll get to that later. <laughs> it was a funny reference. It was a funny reference. Um. Like what? What is what is new Cajun cooking to you? Like what is, yeah. I you know I I fight with what I call my food and I fight with what I call uh, my, my cookbook. Uh, new Cajun cuisine is pretty much my approach on it. Um, you know, it's kind of that that rephrasing of what I originally said. When, what do I do with all this? What do I do with all this knowledge? And what do I do with gumbo now that I've made it a million times and I've eaten it? I take it and I elevate it to a new, new status. It's not even new. It's just my interpretation it's what what do i want to cook this day with the ingredients i can get i made hogshead cheese last night and we infused uh infused it we just melded it with foie gras torchon uh foie gras pate we took foie gras we tempered it out like you would normally make a foie gras terrine but i also added literal braised down hogshead hogshead with it and made a foie gras fromage de tete that's a wow. fancy way of saying i put fatty goose liver with fatty hogshead blended it together balanced it out with sherry vinegar Put it with uh, handmade hand, handmade pickles and, and mustard. It was incredible. Is that is that Cajun? I'm not sure. Is this good? Yeah. <laughs> I'm more focused on is it good than what it's actually titled. I call my you know I call my food I call it contemporary Cajun or new Cajun because I'm horrible at naming things. It's it's but but you have to name your food something, don't you? Um. And then so there aren't any gator recipes in the book per se, but. How often do you cook with gator, if if at all? I like wild gator, but you can't get wild gator. I can get wild gator. Right. So we went back and forth. And like, well, how much how much ingredients do we put in here that you can't get? When's the last time you saw frog legs at the store? I mean, I guess you could find them in Chinatown. Yeah, I don't, I don't go right. shopping for them. I know there totally. was a hesitation there going, ah, oh, I guess you could get them. I mean, I'm not I shopping for them. I could definitely walk to a place that I could get them, but it's not in my repertoire no. of uh, my normal grocery Speaking runs. of frog legs, so there's a recipe in the book. I'm going to tell the story every time someone asks me about this book. It's called Louisiana Ditch Chicken. 
great. Louisiana dish. No, 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 no. Let's see how, how it is. It's fried frog legs. Well, the editors and, you know, the, the marvelous people at Little Brown wanted to name it something different. And I, I didn't like that. I was like, no, it's fried frog legs. Just call it fried frog legs. And I said, well, we really like to call it something else. You want to call it hop or something or jumping around something? I'm like, what, what, what the hell do you want to call fried frog legs? You want to call it Louisiana ditch chicken? They said, yeah, that's great, and hung up. <laughs> okay, thanks, bye. And, I'm like, and, and by the time I got my phone out and, and sent the email, and sent the text, it, it had made the rounds to, to the editor and to Jennifer Cole, our author, and to my wife. And I was like, we love it, thanks. I'm like, God, dang it. Really? It Louisiana stuck. ditch chicken? And it's stuck. It's stuck. So I'm, it, it's in the dang book. So when you're making frog legs, are you typically, is it frog gigging? Are you going out and... See, in, in, in my town, you just grab them with your hands. <laughs> you're, you're in a ditch and you can gig them or you shoot them with a 22 if you're cool. But otherwise, it's just a bunch of, bunch of kids and you go by the boat and you snap them up with your hands. Huh. Could, for the city folks, could you please explain gigging? Gigging, so um, depending, it's either a hook or a trident or even it's almost, um, how do I describe it? It's almost like a big uh, claw trap on a stick. And you hit it, and you hit it with them. I'm opening up my hands. I'm hitting the middle part between my thumb and forefinger, and it snaps shut on them, and it, gig them. Oh yeah, sound effect. There you go, gig just em. like that. Yeah, and, and it's great to to catch frogs or to catch your brother on the ankle because it hurts real bad. <laughs> I bet it does. <laughs> and then so okay, you said you like to um, cook with wild gator. As com- as compared to <laughs> this domestic is my other gator, question. Yeah. As, as, as farm raised, yeah. that's that's Pet that's gator? gonna that's gonna be the rule for everything I've ever cooked. Okay. Duck I shoot is better than duck that's been raised. Frog that I catch is better than frog that's been raised on on, on a farm. It's gonna be the same for everything. You ever had wild chicken? Me either. I just made it up. Well, how, how prevalent is uh, gator farming for food in? Let's just say, like in the southeast, there are a lot of alligator farms, like, yeah. like you would not believe. You remember when you I took go you visit to? One. They sell the tails to Italy for uh, handbags. Well, Katie, remember oh, when we went to Buford yeah. Highway Farmers Market in Atlanta? Yeah, yeah, they yeah. had gator well, there. They have everything. Yeah. They do have everything. And have you guys been to Buford farms, Highway? Like mm-hmm. Buford Highway Farmers p- Market in Atlanta. It has like everything. It's no. amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. If, you're, if you're in Atlanta really next, I, I think the majority of the market is for the leather, but there's no reason you can't eat the meat. Yeah. Right. Okay. And you know what? I mean, Isaac. I mean, I don't. You don't even love alligator. Like, it's just not even one of your favorite proteins. So, um, you've been outed. But his entire back is a tattoo of an alligator. <laughs> oh, so. flip to the very back cover, the, 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 the actual watch. Oh, yeah. The insect that. Oh, It's yeah. the back. Get yeah. it? <laughs> oh. His back on the back. Yeah. Um, so, dad yeah. joke. I'm a dad. I, I haven't eaten alligator since I was probably very young um, when my dad, like, friend made it at a wild game cook-off in Alabama but so I don't have like very good memories of what it tasted like but they were Hannah and Katie were asking what does alligator taste like I feel like you guys would probably be better to answer that than me it tastes like fishy chicken okay so I wasn't far off that's exactly so how is it different from frog legs because I think that's what frog legs taste like agreed I think they taste very similar similar. they they, they taste a little swampy in a good way I I find but Amanda's right they're not my favorite because they're not as rich as a duck they're not as delicate as our crab meat they're not as sweet as our shrimp it's just not on the big list and people think like, oh you cook gator all the time no I don't cook squirrel all the time either you know why squirrel is really hard to clean yeah, it's like not worth the work. Squirrel's yeah. good hunting. Squirrel hunting is a walk through the <laughs> woods, enjoying Mother Nature and blowing it out of the sky with an arm cannon. That's pretty accurate. 
Yeah. Even my dad would get along really well. <laughs> <laughs> what's what's your favorite game to hunt? Is it squirrel? Oh, no. My favorite game to hunt is duck. Okay. Duck is fantastic because you get a buddy or two. So you're in a blind. You're there. You're having a little little, little, little sip of whiskey. You're telling jokes and boom, 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 boom. You get to pull the trigger a lot. Can you, I, can do I, you have a hunting dog? Yeah, I have a little brother. <laughs> you make him swim out there. Yeah, again. Oh, oh, no, and I was a little brother for a long time. I'm like, well, why, do have a, why do we have a dog? You're the dog. Oh. oh. I have, um, a, I'm going to tell a story about my, funny story about my dad duck hunting. So he's more of a deer hunter. You know, we're deer hunting. You have to wear like the blaze orange because you are walking in the woods. It's like safety. Well, he went duck hunting with some of his friends, was sitting in a blind, and they just kept laughing at him and like pointing and like, he was like, what is going on? And he had had an ar- bright orange toboggan on his head the entire time sitting in the blind. Which so is, they're all like full camo, and he's like, yes. look at me! Deer are colorblind, so uh-huh. it doesn't matter ducks that you're wearing. Uh-huh. Ducks are not. They were like, <laughs> ducks like, they were like, hell no. Richard's never going to get any ducks today. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. Well, Pat, can you tell the gator story about your dad? Oh, yes. Yeah, so okay. the, the other funny story about my dad. So, Okay, this, this is, is my the best story, story ever. My dad works at a wildlife refuge um, on the Chattahoochee River in Alabama, cool. and um, lots of the gators there, um, one of the most plentiful animals. And one guy found like a three-foot baby gator out on the lake outside of the refuge, and for some reason he thought, okay, I should return this alligator to the refuge, <laughs> not just like let it go in the lake somewhere. So I think he brought I know where it. This is going. So he brought it to my dad, and my dad was like, oh, well, like, I can't really like release an animal on the refuge, I don't think. So he was like, but I'll take it from you. Like, can I pay you for the alligator? And the guy was like, I don't know. My dad was like, I'll trade you a lawnmower for it. <laughs> and so the deal was made and the alligator was brought home. We have a very small pond in our backyard and the alligator lived there happily for many years. That's awesome. wonderful. That's a great story. Yeah, our like, nice little pet alligator. Yeah. I'm what was his name? Like, we didn't really name it. I'm so baffled that you would have a ha- an alligator like next to your house on purpose yeah yeah it seems, was always like don't let dangerous. the dogs don't let the yeah. dogs go down to the pond by themselves that's very cajun of you yeah. thank you yeah i really appreciate we're that. cajun adjacent in alabama i guess mm. totally yeah but yeah your shrimp is better and i think even better than alabama shrimp is like coastal georgia their shrimp is pretty good too yeah but you guys have the best that's true of course we do <laughs> oh. i'll give it to you um what um I was in New Orleans in March and had like an incredible time. Um I hadn't been in a really long time. What food or restaurants or you know exciting things are you most um jazzed about right now? Right now we spent a lot of time at Margie's Grill. Uh good friends of ours. Uh Marcus and Caitlin uh put out uh New Wavo Thai food or so- South Asian food and we don't get a lot of that. But they also utilize a lot of um, local food and a lot of local bycatch. So the things that the fish trawlers are pulling up that are not what they're intending for, redfish and shrimp, uh, these guys are using. So in one week, I ate there and had barracuda, barjack, and a bunch of other fish that I had never eaten before or maybe eaten once at the fish camp. So I love what they're doing over there. Uh, Other good friends of mine, uh, Mason, uh, Turkey and the Wolf, doing super high-end stoner food yeah so i said it Mason. Good. um it's so good and it's, it's it's like yeah these tacos are or have dorito seasoning on them i'm like get out of here <laughs> his collard oh, green my, melt my, collard green melt oh my gosh on top it's, my, my, might be the only vegetarian 
uh, uh, dinner I would even consider eating. <laughs> he's he's making he's putting something in those collard greens though, right? It's not totally vegetarian. Whatever he's on. Uh, I'll yeah, take yeah. It. Let's not yeah. lie. Let's not lie. <laughs> There's some ham I got, I got air quotes around that. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. Well, should we take a quick break and then come back talk a little bit more and then we'll play some trivia? Sounds good. All right. I love cool. trivia. Yay! We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Heritage Foods. Heritage Foods was founded to sell ancient breeds of livestock and poultry that were becoming extinct, largely because industrial agriculture willfully pushed healthy heritage breeds aside for more profitable, faster-growing animals. Rare heritage breeds are saved when popular demand increases and farmers have the incentive to raise them. This Thanksgiving, we encourage you to buy a turkey from Frank Reese's Good Shepherd Poultry Ranch. Frank's turkeys are 100% purebred heritage, 100% pasture-raised, and 100% antibiotic-free. Turkeys are available in two-pound increments. You choose your size. Don't wait. Pre-order your Heritage Thanksgiving turkey today at heritagefoods.com. Welcome back to HR and Happy Hour. I'm Katie Mosman-Wadler, here with my co-host Kat Johnson and our suite of uh, amazing talent from HRN, and also with Isaac and Amanda Toops. Welcome back, guys. Thank you. Thank you. So um, we've been talking a lot about the book, um, and uh, this question can be like related to recipes from that, but maybe not. I'm curious, um, so I feel like you guys both, you really love food. You love to eat together. Have there been any dishes or like food experiences that were really like central to like your love and relationship do you have like go-to's or any like yeah there's two cities that we always gravitate back to in the world um that we're usually there if we can if time allows between the two kids and two restaurants every two to three years and one of them is Lyon France Mm -hmm. and the second one's Montreal and those are two towns that we just like roll off the plane and we're like, we're back, guys. <laughs> and like, uh, you know. The we speak food, no French. Yeah. I mean, we, we speak we speak restaurant French, which means I can order the hell out of a bottle of wine. And, and I can understand the menu and that's it. There we go. We're good. And, you know, and waiters <laughs> understand that and they know we're good tippers. They can just tell. So um, uh, those are two towns that we gravitate to uh, always. And we were just in Montreal a couple weeks ago. Me too. Really? Yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, definitely eating in the bouchons of Lyon is, is something that is, I think Isaac and I always look for, and, 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 and we have so many wonderful compadres in New Orleans, but you know, we've all eaten each other's food and I think we're always, Isaac and I personally looking for that thing that speaks a little deeper to us. And the thing that, um, that we really like is that that guttural feel whenever you're eating a meal that that feels like deeper down in your bowels and you're like these people get us <laughs> like you know like this is what I want to be eating and I'm so inspired right now um and I think it makes sense being Cajun people that Lyon would would be a place that we felt kinship to um so I would say definitely maybe one of the you know one of the first times we were in Lyon the Bouchons were you know, you're you're sitting there drinking Beaujolais out of a carafe, and you're eating cold uh, ox muzzle. Um, ox muzzle salad, and you're just like, oh my god, 
good. It's real good food without the fuss. Yeah. And when we open up restaurants, that's what we want to do. One of our slogans is foie gras and your flip-flops. <laughs> I want you to come in your flip-flops and your shorts and a bandana yeah. holding a beer. Like, yes, I'll have the foie gras and the confit chicken and the charcuterie. And we'll That's be like, so no funny. problem. Would you like some rosé with that? Yeah, and, and a great bottle of wine. And uh, and the same for Montreal. Even though Isaac's people originally come from the Nova Scotia area, we've always, and he was there recently, we, we've we always found a kinship, actually, with the Quebecois because it's, again, that rustic French peasant food, if you will. And I mean that in the highest regard. It's the same for Cajun people. Um, but they take their wine seriously. And they take the food seriously, you know. It's just, it's just that it's a little more rustic feel, um, and I think that that would definitely be dining experiences that we'll remember for the rest. We've eaten at, you know, Joel Rubichon and you know, um, and actually Paul Bogus's original restaurant. We've eaten in there, and which was wonderful. But I think all of the all of the life changing meals that I can remember we've had were in places that really spoke more to like that internal like familiar kinship but not in Louisiana type of kinship it was sort of like reaching across the table and we can bring something back with us from that and um, those are meals that we talked about for years you like palm frites and duck fat me too (laughs) (laughs) but it's interesting that like there's definitely this like French roots connection between all of that so for sure and then again that rolls over in you know the Cajuns are from New Orleans but again that French totally you know it's there Totally. Do you have like some a couple like favorite spots um, in Montreal? Well, we love the Joe Beef guys. Yeah, and uh, and they rolled out the red carpet for us a couple weeks ago. I, I can't say anything even less than that. Um, it was our fifteenth wedding anniversary, and we were there, and they cooked Aww. for us. And, That's awesome. Um, and we had just some incredible wines and uh, wandering around the city in, in the dark after. Martin Picard is one of my idols. Martin Picard, and and this is a true story. Is I don't know, God, oh, you were a baby a baby cook. We were. Oh, it was a hundred years ago, and um, he came home from. I oh, was like a line cook, it was, uh, maybe a fry cook even at Delmonico, and Martin Picard's first book, Opie de Cochon, had just come out. So we maybe we could Google it and find out around the time that that is. But he came home with it. Someone had given it to him at the restaurant, and I'd never seen Isaac read a cookbook from cover to cover before. And I remember going, "Something's happening here." He's reading that, and he was so inspired. And I saw it on his face, and I was like, I was inspired looking at him. And um, and he says to me afterwards, he like reads this entire cookbook, and he's like, I, I didn't know that you could open a restaurant and, and, and only cook what you want to eat. I didn't know that. <laughs> that was big inspiration. It was. I mean, and, and that is something, because a lot of books. restaurants, yeah. they, they have a token chicken breast dish or a token chicken dish or whatever. And definitely Martin Picard is not that chef. He cooks exactly what he wants to eat, and that's it, without regard to what you want to eat. It's what he wants to eat. And so we kind of took that after he sort of had that revelation, um, we sort of took that with us and it's inspired us along the way too. You're not ever going to find a dish on either of our restaurants that's there just because you want it. It's there because Isaac wants it. And and if you want it, great. We want you to want it. <laughs> that's good that you want it too. Yeah, that's great. We don't serve white meat from chicken at either of our restaurants ever. Not ever, never, never. It's never into Dark the door. Dark meat rules. Totally. I'm behind that. Yeah. Yeah. With you all the way. All right, well... Should we jump on to our trivia segment? Yes, because I've got Are one for y'all after. You do? Yeah, you do. I do. Totally. Oh, All right. tables have turned. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So our trivia this week, written by our own Kevin Wheeler, 
Um, we always pick a theme, and this week we decided we would go along with the Cajun theme, and we would do trivia about the swamp. Uh, now I'm under pressure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. Question and number I one. I haven't seen the questions. I don't know. Yeah. Have you, yeah. yeah. Cool. So, so we're, you have a team. You team. have a trivia team. Okay. Okay. Uh, great, great, okay. Great, 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 great. All right. So question number one is a little bit of a warm up. What are some of the differences between alligators and crocodiles? Um, oh, I know al- this one. Oh, go ahead. No. One, you know, because you'll see them in a while, and the other one, you see them later. <laughs> yes. That's it. Question answered. I thought you were saying wild and, like, I was, like talking about, like, his, like, wild alligator thing. Okay. Sorry, but I think Isaac might actually know, like, actual real answers. Uh, I know uh, as far as anatomy is where uh, <laughs> cro- the shape of their- crocodiles are much more aggressive. And crocodiles have a, uh, a longer uh, pointier snout, whereas alligators yeah. have a rounded snout. Correct. Uh, yeah, I thought it was the shape of the snout, too. Yes. Isn't it also like a freshwater, saltwater proclivity? Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's true. Um, but they're freshwater and saltwater crocodiles, right? Yes, there yeah, are. there are. And, uh, and there are caimans. Let's not forget about the smaller cousin. And also oh. NARS. Bonus point. Oh, yes. NARS. My yeah. dad sees lots of NARS. I bet he does. Yeah. Cool. Does that have a G on the front? Yes, it does. Gnar. 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 Gnarly. <laughs> it's a gnome. <laughs> All right. You guys nailed that. You know you know your alligators and crocodiles. Great. Okay. Um, question number two. Linguists aren't totally sure where the word swamp comes from. It could have originated in antiquated versions of Dutch, German, or even Norse. They do know, however, that swamp the swamp we know today probably came from ancient words that were related to swamps. Which of the words below or that I'm going to read, does swamp share a history with? A, sponge, B, moss, C, water, D, trees, or E, none of the above? Hmm. Swamp, moss, water, trees. I'm going to go with moss, but I will tell you one thing. There's a little, this background. So my originally family name wasn't Toops, it was Dupes. And uh, the phonetic got changed from D-U-B-S, which was Swiss, which meant in Switzerland from the swamp. Doops. Doops. So you come over here, and all of a sudden it gets changed to toops. Wow. But as a sheer guess, because I don't know the answer to this, because <laughs> it could be, I, I, I could see sponge because it's, it's moisture. I could see trees. I could see, but I'm just going to go with moss because in, in Cajun country, we have our Cajun superhero. Our, oh. What? I've already got it wrong. Wait, finish. What's the, the Cajun superhero? I know. Why do we got buzz when we finish being wrong? I want to tell you the Cajun. It's What's quick. It's quick. I swear. It's quick. So we have we have a crawfish man. And <laughs> of, course, of course you do. We have crawfish man, but his phrase to sell, he turns, he, he's a regular man. And he turns into a crawfish when he says the words and he grabs some moss off the trees. He says, Spanish moss in my hand. Turn me into crawfish man. Oh. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay, well, but I got it wrong. So <laughs> I think you get five points for that story. Though. The story um, was great. The answer was wrong. <laughs> uh, the correct answer is sponge. Sponge. As in, like, um, it says ultimately, like, the Proto Indo European swambo, which is like spongy mushroom, spongy ground. 
Interesting. Gotcha. Okay. Kat, how did you get this job? Because when you repeated the answers, you said A, swamp, B, you gave oh, it away. Oh, she didn't give a sponge as this in the, in the answers when she That's repeated right. them back to us. That's my bad. So how did Not I get fair. that wrong? So you, so you guys get 10 points because that was my fault. Okay, okay. Um, all right. You're no Alex Trebek. This is why I couldn't be a teacher. I'm like, everybody gets 110s on their test. Yay. Yay. Um, okay, number three. What is the biggest swamp in the world? Oh, wow. Uh, the Florida Everglades. No. Shoot. That's a really good guess, though. Isaac's pants after a Friday night shift. <laughs> oh. Yeah! <laughs> Woo-hoo. Even I thought that was gross. <laughs> um, I don't know if you guys will know this, because I didn't know it. Um, it's in southwestern Brazil, but parts of it are in Bolivia and Paraguay. Oh. It is the Pantanal Swamp. Why are these questions yeah. so hard? Yeah, I knew that. Oh, totally. Our trivia that questions was are not that... designed to be gotten to, oh, to yeah. be winner. That was my <laughs> second <laughs> guess. It's really weird when somebody Everglades. gets one right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, question number four. This swamp creature is the subject of myth, urban legend, folklore, and the like. It is a furry, ape-like creature that carries a foul smell it's also known as the Louisiana Bigfoot, but is more well known as what? The Rougarou. It's not the answer I have, but I feel like that's probably I right. I feel like you you seem to know a thing about the Rougarou, the, though. The Rougarou is a man-wolf-like creature. It's the Cajun werewolf. Oh, wow. So, what, what was the answer well, that you that's guys another got? Name. My... I'm sorry, I'm from Cajun. <laughs> I know. Well, I feel like we were getting schooled. What the hell school. are you guys talking about? The answer I have is the skunk ape. What? <laughs> <laughs> But I'm oh. sorry, I'm from. That's one Cajun of our line cooks. I love tubes. I the judges. I got Swamp Ape Thibodeau uh, working on the line right now. <laughs> sounded very confident when he said it. I think yeah. he's right. I think he gets plus ten. Swamp Ape. Swamp. <laughs> All right. Who do you guys get this stuff? <laughs> Last question. This is uh, more about your your uh, your cousins over in Alabama, us Cajun adjacents. This session band from Alabama played on a number of pop and R&B hits in the 60s and 70s. They worked with everyone from Aretha Franklin to Wilson Pickett to Paul Simon. Their professional name refers to their Alabama hometown. Muscle Shoals! But they're also known as the... Pass to pass. Oh. <laughs> yes. They were, the, they were from Muscle Shoals, but uh. what was their nickname? Oh, I thought they were... What does called... your nickname refer to? It refers to... I don't know, but it's in a Leonard Skinner song. Oh, they were talking about Muscle Shoals. Oh, I thought you were talking about Leonard Skinner. <laughs> <laughs> the, this you know, band this, is like, like session band. Yeah, uh, they were a studio band in Muscle oh, Shoals. Oh God, guys! Now I feel terrible. Come on, Sweet Home Alabama lyrics in Muscle Shoals. They love the Swamp Bus. Yes. <laughs> you led me into that one, but it. I'll take it. But I'll take it. You got it. Fun, fun. Oh. Another fun fact: oh. my first concert ever was Leonard Skinner. Nice. No joke. Yeah. I got one for y'all. <laughs> wait, wait. What do you call an alligator in a vest? Uh, An investigator. investigator. <laughs> oh, oh man! Dad jokes. I got dad jokes. So good. So good. Um, I have to give a shout out because I just got word that uh, I've got a family member listening in Dallas, Texas, who used to be a uh, crawfish rancher. Whoa! Um, so uh, yeah, hi AJ. Um, our aunt hi, Janet AJ. is listening, um, and she ran the first crawfish aquaculture farm in Virginia and raised Louisiana Reds. And uh, harvesting them was my husband's first job. So Amazing. I've watched him like catch crawfish with his bare hands. That's Amazing. awesome. But I've but never heard it called a crawfish you, rancher. I just made that up. I, I'm from Maine. I can I, tell. I, 
I don't know anything. I can tell. I don't know but anything. But there's a couple, but there's a couple people listening to this going, crawfish rancher. But, uh, yeah, that sounds good. But you know about Louisiana Reds? Is that a special crawfish? No, we got one kind of crawfish. Yeah, I was like, what's yeah, Louisiana okay. red? All right. all, I was, I was also they're like, all red. Like royal reds the red from one. Alabama? It's like, like, yeah, it's like saying a red, a red lobster. Uh, they're all red. There's like a couple blue ones though, right? Yeah. Like what have a 10 million? Is that like the, what the, the million, rare like the albino doing. lobster kind of thing? Yeah. 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 I think yeah. They, aren't they chimeras or something like that? They're like really random. Do you save them if you get them? or like? Oh, yeah. I think they're worth money or... Stuff. You gotta eBay that. Be. Come on, you gotta eBay that. Yeah, well, make some money. <laughs> my thought would be, how do they taste? <laughs> the, the, I, was like, I mean, that's pretty much not right. worth money, but like, oh, does this taste better? Looks delicious. Mm. <laughs> did you see the rainbow lobster? I did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. Yeah, I, I wonder how that tastes. I bet it went for a lot of money. Yeah. But like, you could probably could, like eat it and still save the. Um, what do you like the shell? Yeah, or like taxidermy it. See, that's yeah. what I would do with like if I won the lottery. Like, ah, oh, would you retire? Like, buy no, the I, rainbow lobster. I'd buy the rainbow it. lobster and steam him. Yeah, <laughs> Cook him boil right him up. up and need some butter. Priorities, guys. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, have we done it, Kat? We did it. Did we do the thing? <laughs> we did the thing. That's our show. Uh, thank you so much to Isaac and Amanda for being with us on Happy Hour. Um, please, please go buy this book. It's awesome. Chasing the Gator. Buy it from your favorite bookstore. Yes. Learn how to make a store where they sell books. Support your local bookseller. Yes. Yes. I'll sign it for free. I'm actually oh. going to ask you to sign this one right now. You if got you it. don't mind. Yeah. So we're going to go do that and uh, have a little tasty beverage here. Um, I won't see you next week, but somebody will. Yeah. Next week, we're going to have some fun folks in the studio. Uh, Sherry Bayer is going to be here from All in the Industry hanging out. Celebrating her anniversary. Yeah. So tune in. We'll be here Thursday at 5 p.m. Um, thanks again to Hannah Forden, to Matt Patterson, um, Katie Mosen-Wadler. I'm Kat Johnson. Thanks to you, Kat. We'll see you next Thank week. Thank you, guys. Thank thanks, you. Until next time. Thank Bonsoir. you. HRN Happy Hour is powered by Simplecast. Simplecast is a popular hosting and analytics platform that allows podcasters to easily host and publish to apps like Apple Podcasts. If you have a podcast or are looking to create your very first, check it out. Try it for free and save half off your first three months at simplecast.com forward slash heritage. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.